This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. The Talk of Fame Network is sponsored by GEICO, where just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com, and you probably should have gone 15 minutes ago. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose doesn't, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, yes, minutes, you can activate MyClean software to clean up what may be slowing that computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Well, our next guest enjoyed one of the greatest Christmases ever, at least on the football field. On Christmas Day 1971, Ed Podolak had an NFL playoff record with 350 total yards for the Kansas City Chiefs in an AFC semifinal game against the Miami Dolphins. Carried the ball 29 times on runs, receptions, and returns, and scored two touchdowns. And I know that because I remember watching it. Unfortunately, it was in a losing cause as the Chiefs lost to Miami in double overtime 27-24 in the longest game ever played. But trust me, that loss did not diminish the performance of Ed Podolak, who ran the ball 18 times for 85 yards, caught eight passes for a career-best 110 yards, and returned three kickoffs for 155 yards. In fact, they showed clips of that game last weekend on NBC during the Chiefs' defeat of Denver on Christmas. And now, well, now we've invited Ed to join us on this holiday week. Ed Podolak, welcome to the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Ed, the most memorable of all your touches in that game was probably a fourth-quarter kickoff return after the Dolphins tied to score 24-24 on a touchdown with 82 seconds left in regulation. You returned the ensuing kickoff 78 yards to the Miami 22. Please tell us it wasn't Miami kicker Garo Upremian who kept you <laughs> of the end zone well Garrow um, and we've lost him you know he's passed as a lot of players have in that game um, was in front of me though and we became great friends after um, that event but I had to cut to the left running down the sideline Curtis Johnson who was a quarter uh, cornerback for the Miami Dolphins had me cut off and instead of trying to cut back I ran out of bounds because it was only about a 20-yard field goal kick, and if you remember, the um, goalposts were on the line of scrimmage at that time. Yes, sir. You know, with the explosion of offense in the NFL, uh, Ed, and all the great backs we've seen over the years, are you surprised that your record still stands 45 years later? Uh, I think it's the oldest playoff record still on the books. Well, I think today they have so many specialists. Um, people run the ball, catch the ball, return punts, return kickoffs. I was very lucky. I got to play at a time when you get to play every play. And uh, I wanted to play every play. And so I probably doubt that anybody will break that record just because of the way they use specialists now. We're speaking with Ed Podolak on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the Internet at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at Talk of Fame Net. And, Ed, we had Kellen Winslow on the show earlier, and he also was involved in an epic game that went two overtimes. And we asked him this question. I want to ask you the same. I mean, your game went 82 minutes and 40 seconds. No game's been longer. But when did fatigue set in, and, and when did talent and effort give way to adrenaline? Well, that's a good question because you end up running on um, adrenaline. Uh, Nick Bonacani, who's in the Hall of Fame, and I think there were 16 players in that game uh, and coaches and owners who are now in the Hall of Fame. I think Nick tackled me about 25 times. And I remember <laughs> in the sixth quarter looking up at him and going, do you think this will ever be over? <laughs> and um, I think at that point, fatigue had set in. 
<laughs> How'd you keep yourself going? How'd you keep yourself going? Well, you wanted to win. You know, um, I had been part of the Super Bowl championship team in 69, but I'd been injured, and uh, I missed nine weeks, and I only got to play special teams in that Super Bowl. And I think we thought that uh, the 71 team was as good or maybe better uh, than our Super Bowl team, and I wanted to make a meaningful contribution uh, to a victory, and so I just kept uh, trying to get us there, and um, it didn't happen. So, Ed, how did you celebrate Christmas that night? <laughs> celebrate is uh, certainly not the term. <laughs> um, as you know, it went on uh, late into the evening, and uh, my parents were visiting, and, and we went back um, to uh, my condominium and um, celebrated as best we could, and I got a plane first thing in the morning and flew to Aspen and forgot about it, and um I've been trying to forget about it ever since, but obviously you can't. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah, to remind you. Uh, you know, it's funny, Ed, you, you know, you, you mentioned uh, saying that you wanted to win. And when we asked uh, Kellen Winslow what kept you going, it was the exact same thing. Yep. He said the exact same thing. I wanted to win. We wanted to win. Can you explain it all for your average Joe, like like me and the, and most of the people listening, what that really means to uh, someone like yourself? Well, I think it's the difference. Uh, if you're not in any activity to win, uh, then uh, you're not going to be a winner. You know, you look at the uh, winners year after year after year, the New England Patriots, uh, the people who win at what they do, if you don't surround yourself with winners, uh, you're not going to win. And I could not accept um, not winning, and my teammates couldn't either, but uh, it didn't happen, and, and, you know, my hat goes off to the Miami Dolphins because the next year they went undefeated, and I think that's because they had a team full of people that wanted to win. Well, Ed, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, as a matter of fact, that victory really did flip the switch on that Miami dominance uh, of the NFL in the early 70s, but... Sort of incredibly, that loss also officially ended Kansas City's AFL dynasty. I know what you said earlier about this team being better, you thought, than the the, the Super Bowl championship team. But when you left that field the day, you know, it's hard to believe, but it'd be 15 more seasons before the Chiefs have returned to the playoffs. Could you see trouble brewing then? I I guess probably you didn't. Or or did you think the talent there was for the Chiefs to be right there uh, back in the Super Bowl, you know, mix at least in, in 1972, the following year? Well, we were all hoping so, but we moved into Arrowhead the next year. Right. And uh, Arrowhead had tartan turf, um, which was at that time the premier prescription turf or tartan turf or synthetic turf at the time. It was a terrible surface to play on. You stubbed your toe. We had big offensive linemen. We had big people who were designed to play on grass, like the Oakland Raiders. And when we moved into that stadium and we had to practice in that stadium, you could see the effect it had on everybody, on um, their joints, on, on the way you hurt all through the week. And fortunately, since then, they've eliminated that surface from the NFL. And I think that was what did it. Um, it wasn't anything else about the age of our team or whatever. It was the movement from natural grass to that surface. Speaking of short curves, Ed, you're in the Chiefs Hall of Fame, and understandably so, despite just playing just those eight seasons. You retired after the 1977 season, which ironically was my first year on the Chiefs beat. So honestly now, was it me that drove you out of the game? <laughs> 
Be honest. <laughs> no, it wasn't Rick, as we called you Goose. I remember, you know, Rod Hanna, you yeah. know, Radar Doug Kelly. Yes, we sir. were all in the planes going out then, and uh, we had a, a good time, uh, all good guys, and I'm sure you remember those guys as well as I do. Um, I enjoyed meeting you then, and I, I've certainly followed your success since those days. Uh, okay. You know, one of the things that always struck me, uh, of course, is I remember watching the game and seeing this number 14 running here and juking there and running punts. Who's this number 14? He's everywhere. Uh, today, they wouldn't even let you wear number 14 uh, in the position that, that you uh, played. Just wondering, what's the story behind how you came to wear number 14 with the Chiefs? Well, I was a, a college quarterback. And when Hank Stram drafted me, I'd only played um, five games as a running back. And um, he told me uh, if I signed with the Chiefs, I could keep the number 14 number, which I had in college. I was drafted in Canada at that time as a quarterback. And so as it came down trying to decide whether I was going to play in Canada as a quarterback or in Kansas City as a running back, uh, that was one of the things that helped me decide to uh, sign with the Chiefs because uh, one of the other issues was that Mike Garrett was the starting tailback in Kansas City. And as the uh, coach in Canada said, uh, do you know who Mike Garrett is? And I said, I think I do. He said, well, he won the Heisman Trophy. What makes you think you can beat him out in Kansas City? <laughs> uh, that's one of the reasons why I went to Kansas City. Well, Ed, like you and Mike Garrett, we've got to run. Um, so thanks for the time so much, and, and thanks for one of the most memorable Christmas days in NFL history. Great talking to you guys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Same Ed. to you, Ed. Thanks, thanks. thanks. That was former Chief star Ed Podolak. Up next, our last Renai Game Changers of the Year. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.